welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is September 23rd, 2021, and this is episode 45. I'm your co-host Pete, and with me as always is my good friend Howell. Hey, man. Hi, Pete. How you feeling? I mean, like, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Um. <laughs> Well, I was thinking earlier today about if this is not exactly going to be a pick-me-up episode <laughs> for us. Um, what do you mean? Well, I mean, for one, the topics we're going to discuss are all deeply disturbing and um, not positive. Um, not deeply disturbing, I mean. But just like I'm about to say, just you know, you'll, you'll find out. But um, yeah, I think if you came here today or whenever you happen to be listening to this for good old fun Pete and Howell, um, we might be. Uh, You're not going to get it. <laughs> it's just I don't know, like for just a, a tip off for what we're we're just going to be talking kind of about like everything that's going wrong right now. So not exactly, <laughs> not exactly great. Which is, which is a, a list that is long and distinguished. Yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I will say it's better than talking about a threat to the constitution, the, the Republic, but you know, um, you never know <laughs> how things can spiral. Um, but on top of that, uh, yeah, I had COVID, I guess maybe I have COVID. I don't know. I don't know how you how I'm classified. I still have it. This whole thing has opened my eyes to sort of how poorly we've generally responded to and handled everything around COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, can you can you uh, elaborate on that? Can I you, will just okay. give, just give, yeah give time. yeah. Um, but I am feeling fine. I had a very mild case of COVID, the most, um, well, go back. I I think last time we recorded, which was Sunday before last, Mm -hmm. um, Pete told me I look like shit. And (laughs) looking back, uh, I think that was the day, I think that was the day that I had started coming down with it. Um, it initially just started with like some sniffles, some runny nose. And then, uh, um, around Tuesday or Tuesday of that, that week, I, um, noticed that my taste was dulled and that was what really kind of, Mm. uh, set, made me think, oh shit, I might not just have a cold. I might have COVID. And then I started getting a very light cough. It was never anything that like got into the lungs. It was all kind of in the throat. Um, and so I ha- happened to, um, I had one of those home tests that you can get at CVS and I, I had been out to dinner with my wife and I couldn't really taste the beer, the IPA I was drinking. So I said, I should take this test. And it turned out it was positive. And then I looked and saw that, oh, there's a high, uh, false positive po- positivity rate for some of these <laughs> at home tests. So the next day I went and got a rapid test that turned out to be positive and then, mm. Um, at the same time they did a PCR test, which came back a day and a half later positive. So, Mm. um, generally from there, it just became, um, 
a matter of logistical inconvenience rather than actual medical inconvenience, which I can say right. I'm thankful for. Um, but the kids had to stay out of school all this week in quarantine, which is part of one of the things that I don't think um, America or Chicago has handled it well with. We handled uh, COVID well. Um, but, you know, I just it raised these things like, so I had a, a rapid test and a PCR test that both were positive. So did that go down in the record books as having two positives for Illinois for the day? Um, what happens if oh. I go back? What happens if I go back um, and test again and I'm positive? Does that mean it's another positive case? Um, oh, that's interesting. Well, because you know when um, they announce when they announce positive cases, they say uh, positive or possibly positive cases or something like that. Now, the only thing I can think of is that because it was both filed under my name, if they come back one come. If they both come back positive, maybe they just count it as one. Mm -hmm. But I don't really have faith in the system to differentiate that, especially since yeah. they were processed by different labs um, and came back in different days. So, you know, our numbers could be way off. Uh, I think that's probably why people say hospitalizations is really a, a really good way of looking at um, how severe the COVID crisis is in a place. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, is, uh, you know, when, when I was, came up as uh, positive, I had to notify certain people and <clears throat> for the kids school, you have to submit a report to CPS, which then gets connected to the city of Chicago. And then that's when like all hell broke loose with regards to like how long the kids needed to quarantine for, um, you know, we were getting different, uh, guidance from different people in the city of Chicago and CPS and our doctor. Um, ultimately we, we kind of just realized that we can, they give us information and we kind of know what's happening. So we can maybe control, uh, how this moves forward from here. But, um, no one ever really also, they, they, no one really followed up with me about my actual positive case. They were just like, if you feel like you need, more care. Here's a number to call. Um, <laughs> so did, but, anyway. did anybody in the, else in the family come down with it? No, that was, that's what I was going to say is the kids tested neg. Uh, my daughter has tested negative three times since, um, I tested positive and spread out across days. Mm -hmm. My son has tested ne negative twice. My wife has tested negative twice. Um, so I think everyone's fine. And that's one thing that I think CPS should do is that if a child is exposed and then test three to five days after exposure um, or multiple times and is negative, they should be allowed to go back to school. But right now the, the rule is um, 14 days from last exposure mm. unless, unless a, a medical professional <coughs> says otherwise. Yeah. So anyway, their pediatrician said they could go back starting Monday, which means they'll be um, only miss one week, which in the grand scheme of things is not the biggest deal, but it's still inconvenient. Yeah. Um, what have What have you done to uh, to treat the symptoms? Did you happen to take a uh, a livestock dewormer? 
ingesting a livestock dewormer? I injected bleach into my veins, <laughs> and that seemed to do the trick. Nice. Um, no, I haven't done anything. Just uh, I've been living in our basement, <coughs> um, uh, kind of devolving back to my bachelor days, um, <laughs> watching binge watching TV and playing Madden. Um, so uh, I, I've told several people that, and they were like, "I want COVID." Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I think all in all, I think I, you can hear my children are clearly not in bed tonight. Um, uh, all in all, I would think it's actually a vaccine success story because, yeah. um, I don't know where I, that's one thing. I don't know where I got it. Who knows? Maybe I got it from a vaccinated person, unvaccinated person. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had very mild symptoms and I don't think I spread it to anyone. Um, so that's really how we, it's kind of the way I think the future will deal with COVID, which is like, you get it. If you're vaccinated, you have very mild symptoms. And yeah. then you, you, hopefully you don't give it to anyone. You take precautions and then you move, you move on. So yeah. um, I think in a way it's a validation of the vaccine, which is about the only thing we've done well. Um, yeah. What did you think when I texted you? I have COVID. Were you like, are you, are you bullshitting me? No, I mean, I think I, I think I probably texted you back in a way that made it think, made it sound like, or made it look like that I was like, fuck you, quit lying to me. Um, <laughs> no, I was concerned. I was, I mean, I'm always concerned when I hear about that kind of thing. I don't want anybody to get COVID. It sucks. Um, but I knew you were vaccinated. I knew that it probably wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Um, and uh, you seemed in good spirits and. I'm sure your uh, Madden game saw a lot of action. Um, yeah. But, so yeah. anyway, update for the listeners. Um, I expect all the the um, well wishes to come in now from everyone. <laughs> um, but uh, by the time you hear this, it'll I'll probably be out of quarantine, back uh, doing my thing. Back at but, it. That's the first bit of uh, you look much better. You do look bummer, bummer news. But um, let's talk about more things that are truly, truly good and well for the for our nation. Le- lead the way. What do you want to talk about first? Oh man, let's see here. Well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. Um, I think probably. I like that. I think you can talk about them together because they're really tied. I mean, I think they're the Republicans are tying them together, but um, the debt ceiling with the infrastructure reconciliation yeah. uh, negotiations. I mean, you maybe help me understand the the sort of angle McConnell is going here with the debt ceiling because, as people may know, McConnell has said that no Republicans will help vote to raise the debt ceiling, which um, America <clears throat> is scheduled to run out of money to pay its bills as mm-hmm. of like October 1. Is that what it was? October 1? Yeah, which, I, think, I um, think the end of the fiscal year. Which means you know some payments could stop on things like Social Security, but more importantly, it would be a huge hit to uh, our credit rating, most likely, um, America's never missed a payment in its history, I don't believe. And so, um, 
there and if we don't raise the debt ceiling we could we could possibly do that so mcconnell has said you know the democrats are in control of congress and the white house therefore they must pass the the debt ceiling themselves because to because he and then he somehow ties it to the the 3.5 trillion reconciliation um plan that uh that democrats have been negotiating internally on so i don't know would you what uh, what what is he trying to do there and what do you think about it I think it's the same like game of chicken that they always play. I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened. And, no, for you know, sure. If there's a shutdown, then that won't be the first time that's happened in the last you know several years. Um, so I think it's just a big game of chicken, and also it's a distraction too because Democrats are floundering on between and warring amongst themselves about the size of the three point five trillion dollar you know social infrastructure package. Um, although apparently Pelosi, well, three point five trillion is well, that's is, the is their social it's the infrastructure is separate from the 3.5 I'm, I'm i'm using the progressives that's that this is social infrastructure like uh oh to okay the, because all the, prog- all the progressive wish list stuff the human capital the human stuff. infrastructure there you go that's, okay. maybe that's right. how i should have put it i see um although it does seem like that they've um apparently i guess pelosi schumer and uh biden have agreed on a framework but not an actual number so it probably isn't 3.5 anymore. I don't know what it is. They, I think he already said he, they were going to lower it. Like that yeah. was, but they, they didn't, the centrists would not give him a number. So. Right. And apparently they're not, he's not going to give one either. So that, we'll see well, how of that works out for them. Why would you? Yes. Yeah. So it so, just seems like it's a big, it's just a big game of chicken. And the Republicans, the only, the only hand they really have to play at this point is, at least the way I see it, is the debt ceiling hand. Because mm-hmm. if, if they can get Mansion and Cinema to be okay with the infrastructure and social justice package, whatever it is, human human capital package, um, then they don't need Republican votes, and it's it's done. Um, but so I kind of feel like he's going to play up the debt ceiling as sort of his as sort of his uh, one one card to play. Um, I don't know how it's all going to work out for them because I don't. I think a historically all government shutdowns have looked worse for, on Republicans than they did on the Democrats to, regardless of who was in power. Um, do you, uh, I mean, do you think that they would actually let, if the Democrats said, we're not going to do this, we can't do this on our own because we can't get our votes in order. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, do you think they would let Democrats or let, let the country default on their, on the debt for a political win for themselves or what would be perceived sure. as a political win? Sure. You, you think they would do that? Yeah, maybe that. Maybe I'm being cynical, but yeah, I think they would because because like I said, I feel like it's going to look worse on Republicans because this this is their thing, right? They're okay with government shutdowns. So it Unless, Wait, but you're, it, so you're saying you don't think it would be a political win for the Republicans? Oh, but, oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. I thought you meant a political win for the Democrats. No, I think it's no. A, I think it's a political win for the Democrats. If the I, if, that's what if, I would if, think too. Yeah, but like they think. seem to be saying that we're fine letting the the like we think the Democrats will take the blame for this because they're the ones in power. They, they always say that, and it doesn't matter. I mean, the last time we had a shutdown and a debt ceiling kind of chicken you know chicken what a game of chicken the democrats were in power or at least they had the white house 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, there, there was the Trump shutdown. Oh, and the Trump shutdown, yeah. And it all looked bad on, no matter what it was, no matter what the scenario was, it looked bad on Republicans. And I mean, it might start. It might start out for the first couple of days looking like, looking okay for Republicans. It might probably polls all right, but then as it wanes on, Republicans always take the heat for it. I I just can't see. I mean, even I can't see Romney voting against raising the debt ceiling. Um, even someone like uh, Kennedy from Louisiana said, "I could, I might vote for to raise the debt ceiling." Um, yeah. I don't know if McConnell can hold the caucus together. Yeah, I don't know. I and it's kind of, what's kind of interesting is I I really haven't there's hasn't been that much focus on the debt ceiling. I mean, there's been a little bit, but it's mostly been about Democrats trying to get their house in order on uh on the infrastructure and human capital package. Yeah, the 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 part of me I think that I think that it thinks the best case scenario is is that McConnell is using this for some sort of um, concession um, yeah. and that he, the Democrats, because they always do, will concede something, like you said, like maybe if he can get Manchin and Cinema to say, okay, we'll do $2.5 trillion instead of $3.5 trillion, then yeah. he's, he's saved, he feels like he saved the country a trillion dollars and um, he can count that as a win and raise the debt ceiling. I think that might be the 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 best case scenario air quotes yeah um i mean i it seems like and maybe i maybe it's just uh media bedwetting and liberal bedwetting but it seems <laughs> like it seems like there's a lot of talk about things completely falling apart government shutting down debt ceiling not getting raised nothing getting passed um i don't know do you ha- i don't i don't know how likelihood likely any of that stuff is um it's i certainly do hope it doesn't happen Unless they, unless the uh, the infrastructure and human capital package both collapse, and then McConnell votes to raise the debt ceiling after that. Well, I sent you that <clears throat> that article in Politico about the sort of the inside the room of the negotiations with yeah. um, Biden and the. I see you watch. You're watching your hand. You had a good hand there, or what? <laughs> uh, no, Pete's playing poker while we're I am playing poker. It's true. <laughs> I'm, you I'm don't have fo- a good hand, but I am focused. No, I just fold. But you're bluffing him. Uh, So um, it was just kind of fascinating to hear, uh, you know, he met with centrist and was like, what's your number? And they wouldn't tell him. And yeah. And then he, he wouldn't, he said, I understand. We'll see what we can do. Then he brings in the progressives and the progressives. He's basically saying to the progressives, if you truly support my infrastructure, the infrastructure package, why would you ever vote to kill it? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't well because they, they want more stuff. They want more stuff in there because right, uh, right. they were in there either yesterday or today talking about uh, amnesty for um, illegal immigrants. So right, well, the parliamentarian shut that down. Right, and the parliament. But I mean, yeah, and it's funny how the, all the House progressives are like, just it's just a, it's just a, you know, oh, it's right. not a real thing. Just, just do it. Just right. go over her it head. Is, I mean, it is, it is. I mean, it, there's nothing written in stone, right? True, like, true. Like many things that have been violated in the last 15 to 20 years. It's a norm that's been respected for many, many years. And if they chose to, like they could ignore it. I think it would be very dangerous to do so. Yeah, I agree. Um, At the same time, um, it is pretty sad that the state of our um, 
of legislation has basically been handed to uh, a faceless bureaucrat within mm-hmm. the, the within within Congress to decide what can and cannot be um, legislated because of. Um, but I mean, it's good to have controls like that, but it shouldn't come yeah. down to that. Those last gates. I think it. I think it should. I think. I mean you're using they're using a, a mechanism a budget mechanism that's only supposed to be used like once a year and this is the second time they've used it oh no um, no i'm saying yeah no i agree with you i'm oh, saying okay okay i'm saying in an ideal world we yeah. wouldn't even get to this point oh, like, oh this would, yes this okay. would be I gotcha. this would be something that is only reserved for very um uh minute pieces of legislation yeah uh as opposed to hinging a whole amnesty package for dreamers and such right. uh on a parliamentarian ruling um like that's it's it shows to me a sign of a of sort of a broken uh congress yeah. congress um so i i i kind of in that political article i sent you like i kind of agree with the uh one person who was quoted was like when you have a when you have something that can pass you pass it and then you try and work with other things and, and get those passed. And we talked about, we did a whole episode on the infrastructure breakthrough. And, um, I, I mean, I said to someone this week, if they let this all fall apart, then, you know, they're, they're morons and they, and, you know, don't be surprised if they get voted out at midterms. Well, and this is the same mistake that the Republicans always make when they had, when they have control of all three brand or, both the legislative and the executive branch they overreach they want more they don't and they have no incentive or they feel like they don't there's no incentive for them to to be bipartisan and to give the other side something that they want and the progressives are certainly taking that taking that kind of play they want more and more they think they should be able to get it because they got joe biden elected and he promised them maybe promised them something behind closed doors and you know the media and it's not up. like he's ignored them during no it's these, true he's like, like he's given people are saying this is the most progressive um administration so far yeah and in, in perhaps history so it's like it's not like like they're just taking and taking they're all like you know okay joe put put your money where your mouth is now um never mind that if you go too far we might not you might not have a you know a democratic house <laughs> after the midterm elections but that's what they're most worried about. And they know the reason, and I think I said this in an earlier episode, the reason why they are moving so aggressive, or at least the progressives are moving so aggressively, is because they know that they might not have the majority after 2022 elections. So they got to get it all now. Yeah. Um, so Well, unfortunately, but, progressives, that's not how democracy works. You don't get to just unilaterally imprint your uh, agenda onto the country you yeah. know you that's what negotiations for a conver- debate um of course we're so far away from any of that really um but well, that's and i, and I of- love them threatening cinema and mansion like on twitter and with all these with political with uh, primaries and those two are like okay <laughs> yeah you think west virginia is going to elect <laughs> yes. one of you okay good luck right. yeah so yeah right you think arizona is gonna elect um yeah yeah, right. Like Arizona, probably. I mean, Kelly and Cinema are probably two of the most moderate senators mm-hmm. out there. Yep. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think I sent. There was some somebody wrote in the post this week about like you know I sent it to you like 
blaming mansion and cinema for the whole collapse of everything. And I was just like, fuck all the way off. Like, you know, um, first off, why is, why is the post advocating for, um, how Democrats should, should, uh, Mm -hmm should be operating and passing their agenda. They should be, I mean, it was a, it was sort of in their opinion pieces, but it wasn't, um, but it's a post writer. It's not like a guest right. writer. It's a, you know, it's a staff writer. Um, and, you know, like I said before, cinema and M- mansion are elected because of their views to represent their constituents. And that value that matters just as much to them and to democracy as as AOC's district. Right. Um, and so, you know, you don't just get to unilaterally impose your agenda. You have to negotiate, you have to find compromise. Yeah. And so, you know, this blame game, instead of people pointing fingers and trying to say, I did this for you, or I didn't get, he did, he didn't vote for this. Get in a fucking room and work things out. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Anyway. Well, AOC and the squad don't, uh, that's not how they operate. Unfortunately. I just feel like I, I, I kind of have faith in grandpa Joe that he's just going to be like, all right, we're going to get this. We're going to get something past the goal line. Um, and, and maybe infrastructure passes first and then there's a smaller reconciliation package. But you know, if you're truly interested in doing what's, you think is best for the country rather than just get reelected, you will take what you can get. Right. Right. And, and you should take what you can get. So I think I still am hopeful that, I mean, infrastructure is is certainly something the country needs. Um, and I still think something will get done. Uh, but I guess we'll see. So that's not as, that's not super depressing. Yeah, I'm not as I think I'm confident about the infrastructure bill. I'm not as confident about the the reconciliation package, um, which is fine. I yeah. mean, like I'd rather get the infrastructure passed, um, yeah. but I mean, isn't reconciliation a budget exercise essentially? So like they it have is. to pass something. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't have to pass anything. Otherwise, what happens? Is there's it, no like, mandatory resolution or something. I mean, what they would end up having to do, pro- if they don't get it done by reconciliation, they're going to have to go try and do it through regular order somehow. Um, so, I mean, they don't have to use reconciliation package. Mm. That's just the most convenient package to kind of throw everything in. Least democratic way of... <laughs> well, it does. It is. And because it gets you around the filibuster in the Senate, it's right. a simple majority vote. You don't have to file cloture and have 60 votes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they could... I mean, they could salvage it somehow if they if they get their heads out of their their asses. But I think at the end of the day, they might just have to either wait and try again next year during an election year, which is going to be not easy, mm-hmm. um, or they try and just pass things, you know, through regular order, which is also not easy. But um, we'll see. Well, kind of tied to that mm-hmm. is um, the border right now, which seems to be Ugh, a disaster. It's gross. Um, you know what I heard is so I sorry to cut you off, but there was a I thought it was interesting. So a friend of mine posted on his Instagram stories uh, some QAnon conspiracy theory about how all these Haitians got to the Mexican border, and I think what he would he didn't say it explicitly, but I kind of feel like he was trying to say like 
they were helped by Cuba or helped by somebody because he drew a straight line from Haiti to where they are on the border with Texas and it crosses straight over Cuba. So the only thing I can I can deduce from that is that he's trying to say Cuba did this to us, (laughs) whatever. But then I I read today that how how it got past all the Mexican border patrol or uh, or police and, and law enforcement in general is that they did it on Mexican Independence Day. That's when they all went to the border because they knew that Mexican, it would be hammered. Mexican authorities would be distracted. <laughs> I have no idea if any of this is true, but um, uh, it, I, somebody wrote it in Politico uh, on like one of their daily emails. And I, it's mm-hmm. just it's if that's the case, that's really funny. I find that funny, sad and tragic, but still kind of funny. I mean, it's I, you've heard of similar sort of uh, strategies by things like like terrorists who are like, yeah, we we can do we should do things on July Fourth because we know Americans are not uh, like not necessarily uh, like commit uh, terrorist acts, but even just like like we need to go um, to the hardware store to buy our our bomb making materials on July 4th because yeah. no one's going to be paying attention and yeah. you know there might not be enough people to respond to Everybody's all Everybody's buying fireworks on, on this day. Is, is, exactly. So hiding and <laughs> hiding using our own traditions and customs against us. But yeah. I mean that certainly could be true. I think there's probably too many Haitians for them all to to have done that. But, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean probably. it certainly sounds like something that could be done. Uh, <laughs> I you know I think the thing about the border is, is, you know, I, uh, Biden's taking, um, it's funny because Biden is taking fire from both sides for this. Yeah. Right. And really, I mean, really, this is a legislative issue to fix. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but he's taking, the executives taking fire from, um, and, and uh, admittedly, like, it doesn't seem like, uh, DHS or CBP are really handling things day to day. I mean, there was the uproar over the the border police, like kind of, I don't know, whipping the Haitians or whatever. I, I, Which is, I, did I, not happen, but whatever. I, I, I don't know. I saw the picture. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think um, the one thing I would say is that like, you know, there, there's the word enforcement is part of um, the job description. It's not like persuasion. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes when you're in a job that requires enforcement, you do need to do some things that may, may not be, uh, the best of humanity. Um, yeah. but, um, and it's not to excuse, uh, over enforcement, but it's to say that sometimes someone have some people need to, you know, things happen that are unfortunate. Um, so I, well, I, when the administration yeah. too is in is in complete disarray on this because you've got the the special envoy to Haiti uh, resigning because he said none of his recommendations and uh, advice was listened to and taken seriously, and of course Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, said I think it was today that um, he never said a word. So there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of really interesting dynamics playing out here with. How is Joe Biden going to run this uh, run Homeland Security and the uh, Border Patrol versus what Congress expects him to do versus what his base expects him to do? He's in a lose, lose, lose situation 
um, yeah. on this whole thing. And um, and you're right. And the reason why is because there's been a kicking of the can legislatively for the past 20 years on this issue, and nobody's been willing to do anything about it because it's better as a political football than it is actually solving the problem and creating a pathway to citizenship that makes sense and a border patrol or border policy that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So here we are watching all these poor people living under a bridge with their families. Some are getting sent back to Haiti. I think what, like uh, 1500 have already been sent back to Haiti. Uh, And some are being let into the country, I guess. And, you know, this is, this just shows also that the entire asylum seeking process is completely fucked up and just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, uh, like what is the, I mean, I don't know. I'm certainly not an immigration specialist or any, but like, you know, they let some people into the country and tell them they have a court date and then they're supposed to show up. Like what are the chances? But they're not going to. (laughs) Right. Like what I don't, I think they do have statistics on how many people show up for their dates, but like, I think the initial tranche of this time I read somewhere was like 13% showed back up. Um, So it's clearly not a great um, uh, system. It needs to be fixed. The root causes of immigration need to be addressed as well. Like Mm -hmm. we're always going to have people who want to come here um, because, well, assuming we're still a great country, but yes, we're always going to have people who want to come here. Um, And, you know, when you do things like cut aid to Guatemala, cut, you know, you, you, you don't help. So mm-hmm. like, you know, we've, um, we, we need to be encouraging those countries to, to better themselves as well as a, as a way to help ourselves really. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, it's, it, it, you know, I don't think I know anyone who thinks, I mean, maybe there are people, but, that like everyone should be allowed in open borders. Um, I think any serious person will say uh, a strong border is a multi-pronged effort of enforcement, deterring um, proper uh, proper administration, um, proper observation and vigilance. Um, But immigration as a whole is a net win for America normally. Um, and, but this is not how it should be done. No. And I think I'm, I'm curious to see if, and I'm sure somebody's brought it up and I just haven't seen it or read it anywhere. Um, with all the Afghan refugees, um, coming from the evacuation from Kabul, uh, all throughout August and early, earlier this month, that coupled with this, I, I don't even know the number of, of Haitians that are, that are sitting on the border waiting, um, or have been let in um, and awaiting asylum. Like 13,000 or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it, those two things right on top of each other, it just, uh, never mind the practicality of dealing with all that, the political fallout is going to be crazy because you Republicans are already split on the, Afghan, on the Afghans, on whether we should let, I think, I don't know what the polling is, but I'm going to assume it's half Republicans are like, yes, we need to accept these people with open arms. This is what our country's all about. They fought with us. They helped mm-hmm. us. They aided us in our the fight allies. against terror. Yeah. They are our allies. And the other half are like, screw that. We don't need them. We don't, we need more problems. Uh, this is just Democrats trying to bring in more Democratic votes, like that old bullshit side of things. And now with Haiti on top of that, it's actually going to drown. I, I'm afraid it's going to drown out the 
the responsible and mm-hmm. uh, voices on the Republican side when it came to the Afghan refugees. Um, and this is this is going to do nothing more than silence those folks, and they're not going to feel as comfortable speaking up in favor of uh, help being helpful and creating the big tent party that the Republicans have said that they always are, but have failed to show show they're not uh, in the last six years. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, and then there's the whole, I wonder how that's going to work. Yeah, and then there's the whole like you said, um, permanent election. Uh, um, insecurity, like the 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 wink to like the white replacement theory um, type <laughs> people that you know they're just they're let they want to let in a large voting block who will vote Democratic and and overturn the historical values of America. Um, yeah, it's it's a mess, and and. <sighs> I mean, the, the really the only long term fix would be to do something legislatively, and unless and there's no real hope in sight for that happening when you hear the way the discussion is. Well, and that's why doing it through reconciliation, and why I'm I'm happy that the parliamentarian ruled the way that she did, it, because you can't you can't shoehorn all this into reconciliation package and assume it's all going to work correctly. I haven't seen everything they've asked for, other than you know, amnesty and get, let everybody in and then put them on a pathway, which I guarantee if you ask the progressive caucus and the people who are advocating for that, can't tell you what any of that means. Right. Immigration policy has to be way more deliberate than that. I think, (laughs) you know, the conversations that we had with, with Becky talent, you know, several months ago on immigration, um, it has to be deliberate. There are people who know how, knows how this works, but you can't just do it overnight in a reconciliation package just because that vehicle is there. It's gotta be way more, thoughtful and you have to be judicious Mm -hmm. about it or else things are going to fall through the cracks you're going to open yourself up to additional political attacks uh, and policy fallout Um, so i'm actually happy that that happened but this also puts an exclamation point on the on the point that it has to be dealt with and Mm -hmm. kicking it down the road until after 2022 or whatever is not going to work Uh, and honestly if they were serious about it they would spend all of 2022 doing nothing but working on immigration policy but they're not serious about it. But they're not serious about it. Either side, um, either and I'm not, no, I'm, exactly. not placing, I'm not placing blame on one side or the other. Either neither side wants this because both of them want to use it to fire up their base in some form or fashion to help them out in the next election. Yeah. Totally. I just want a really big hand, by the way. Oh, nice. Is this for real money uh, or fake uh, fake money? It's for real, but I was doing it oh, for okay. practice. But now, oh. now I might actually take it seriously. Anyway. <laughs> Um, well, that's a bit of good news uh, in this uh, depressing discussion. Yes. Um, I did want to real quickly raise um, the last thing I had on our agenda because it also ties into our crazy of the week um, that I wanted to. So uh, I'm actually excited were, to talk about this because I've got I've, I've been thinking about some things this week. But oh, go, okay, you, but you go ahead, go lead us into it. So. Um, the U.S. released its statistics on crime this week. Yeah. And <clears throat> in 2020, the, the murder rate in America rose by almost 30%, which was nice. the largest largest increase since they've been tracking um, murders in America, which I think was probably since like 1960. So um, it, went, it went from like... 
four and a half to nearly six and something um, per hundred thousand people mm-hmm. were murdered, um, and it was national. It wasn't. It wasn't confined to cities, despite what um, some will tell you that you know the defund the police and um, <clears throat> uh, now cities did see spikes, but everywhere saw spikes. Um, and, uh, it is certainly, this was for 2020. It was mostly in the summer last year when at, you know, kind of post COVID first lockdown post George Floyd, um, political or sorry, a criminal justice reform being the front of the conversation. And then I think in 2021, it is it is rising. Let's see what it says here. Um, murders are up 9.9% relative to comparable points in 2020. So not great. Um, Chicago is, I think, pretty flat from last year's rise. I think I saw it's up 3% from last year. Okay. Okay. So lower Three or four. than the national average. But um, obviously, when your numbers are that high, another 3% is not great. So, or yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what were your thoughts um, on this? And then once you get done, I'm going to tell. Well, yeah, I was going to tell you my crazy of the week, but I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. I think a lot of crazier things were happening because of shutdown, and people were spending way too much time indoors and being pent up, and you know, from the mental health aspect of it all. I mean, it went nuts. But all I know is when I I, I have this. Do you have the Citizen app on your phone? Where to, so people can report in real time incidents happening around your area. Um, That's pr- it's probably good. I don't read. Such yeah, I I've been meaning to delete it because it just freaks me out. Um, but I, I had it, and today about uh, half a mile north of my house, there were there was an alert saying police were investigating multiple shell casings on the ground um, about half a mile north of me, um, and shooting in, a shooting in the area. So. Um, you know, and I live next to uh, the westernmost uh, neighborhood of uh, of Chicago that's had a problem with with crime and issues with gang violence. Um, so it's not it hasn't been uncommon to see some of that spillover to where I live, but mostly in the form of you know robberies and carjackings and breaking into garages. Nothing, nothing too, um, nothing too crazy. Um, but. Um, I don't know how to get a handle on it. And I think I think the spike in crime has to do in some cities has to do with the police not feeling empowered to do their jobs anymore and being demoralized over the course of several years. Some of it was, you know, uh, admittedly a lot of it's self-inflicted, um uh, but some of it in some police off, police um uh departments around the country it's not. So, um they take have taken a much more hands-off approach, I think in a lot of major cities. Um because they don't feel like they, I know city of Chicago has multiple times said they don't feel like they have the support of the mayor or the uh, city council. And it's been very tough. And now today it was reported that the Cook County Sheriff, which normally uh, patrols the, um, the outer suburbs of Chicago land in Cook County. Um, they've actually posted, I think like 600 officers now throughout Chicago um, of the Cook County Sheriff's department is now hanging out in Chicago in various neighborhoods, trying to make inroads, um, and apparently it's been very positive, but that's 600 sheriffs, uh, deputies could compared to 12,000 city of Chicago police. So it's a very small percentage. Um, so maybe we need innovative p- 
policing that way. Um, you know, I follow everything that's going on in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta has seen a massive spike in crime and murders um, as well. And I think similar issues, the police force in Atlanta has doesn't feel very uh, supported by uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms um, and uh, the city council there. And now the city of, or the area of Atlanta called Buckhead, which is uh, the big, you know, restaurant and, you know, nightlife area of Atlanta, but also very affluent. Um, the governor's mansion is technically in Buckhead. Um, they are talking about seceding from the city um, and forming their own poli- forming their own government, forming their own police force, and they've done feasibility studies, and apparently they can do it, but it come it will come as a, at a great cost to the city of Atlanta. I think the city of Atlanta would lose hundreds of millions of dollars every mm-hmm. year in revenue. Um, so um, people are getting desperate; they want to feel safe again. Um, and I'm not just saying. Well, white don't people. look at the citizen app. No, don't look at the citizen app. And I'm not just talking about white people. Everybody, I mean, I've we, there's no, a lot of there's a lot of African Americans are yeah. are a huge um, mm-hmm. advocate for pl- strong and responsible police forces. Yep. In fact, um, they are credited with uh, the when Eric Adams winning in New York City yeah. because he winning the Democratic primary in New York City as he is a former police officer himself and has basically said, um, you know, we are not going to defund the police. We're going to have a reformed and responsible mm-hmm. police force, but they are vital to our livelihood as a city. Yeah. And I think you're going to see, especially in 2022, you'll see a lot of these law and order candidates in, in mayoral races and gubernatorial races. Um, one in particular in Michigan, um, former Detroit police chief uh, James Craig is going to be running for governor in Michigan. He is an African-American. Excuse me. Um, African-American uh, Republican who is running as a law and order candidate. Um, and the he is very popular in the city of Detroit and all the communities, but especially obviously the African-American community as well. Uh, the democratic mayor of Detroit counts him as one of his best friends and actually appointed him deputy mayor uh, before he retired as police chief. Um, so you're, I think you're going to see a lot of these law and order candidates coming out and the message is going to resonate. And if Republicans were smart, they would make those inroads in the minority communities or in the black and Brown communities and not let anything Trump-related um, seep its way in. I'm not 100% hopeful, but I'm sure there will be a couple candidates that do that and don't actively seek out Trump's endorsement or um, or blessing, I guess. Um, but I, I guess we'll wait and see on that. So all things considered, for context, murders are way down from, the, from where they were in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So mm-hmm. long-term... It's a um, it's a good news story still, but um, uh, the you know I think it had been since and it looks like t- like 2013 was about the lowest it had been since 1960, and then it started to go up a little bit again. But you know, uh, for the most part, violent crime in America is way down from where its highs. Um, 20, 30 years ago, um, we are seeing a blip and obviously you want to correct that blip. Um, but, uh, so can I real quickly, um, my crazy of the week this week goes to Kaylee McEnany. Um, I don't, I don't know. Former press secretary under, uh, Donald Trump. 
the current Fox News contributor. Um, I guess she has a show now even on Fox News. But um, she took a screenshot of the murder, um, I guess, uh, <coughs> graph that showed the spike in, in everything. And she said, Joe Biden's America, people. Um, and she tweeted it out and said something like, Joe Biden's mm-hmm. America. And people were quick to point out that the data is through 2020, Kaylee, um, <laughs> which was uh, Donald Trump's presidency. How embarrassing. Not that, <laughs> not that Trump is the responsible for this. And right, no, right. I'm not saying that. But it's funny. I'm just, I'm just saying that like the, the zeal for a zing or a political win is so, yeah. so omnipresent that she can't even get a basic someone who was, you know, basically was supposed to be responsible for correct information from mm-hmm. the most powerful office in the world um, is tweeting out nonsense like that yeah. and making a fool of herself. Yeah. Um, I mean, she doesn't have much credibility left anyways, but yeah. um, things like that are certainly not going to help, but I'm sure she's making a nice paycheck over at Fox um, yeah. and doing all right for herself these days so anyway that was uh the kaylee McEnany crazy of the week i like it yeah so anyway uplifting episode i wasn't as down as i thought i was going to be um, no i we didn't even get into uh the last thing on the agenda which i'm kind of oh, what was that the uh is is this better than living under an authoritarian oh <laughs> is that what you wanted to talk about uh I, uh no but at some point i mean i've been doing a lot of thinking about um there's been a lot more. It seems like it's starting to trend. There's a lot more of those never Trumpers that are starting to come out and say that they made a mistake mm-hmm. um, voting for Such Joe as. Biden. Um, I can't think of any name, but I've been reading like on Twitter, like just anybody. Not, nobody really high profile, mm-hmm. um, but enough to where like it makes you start to think, do I still regret? Um, so maybe we can dive into that. Do you still episode. regret or do you or no, do regret? I regret my no, do you okay. regret your vote for uh Joe Biden over Donald Trump? Um, mm-hmm. so that's something Yeah, maybe we can talk about the the pros and cons. Um yeah. I'll leave that cliffhanger uh, there for the next episode. Okay. Yeah. So people are like, What's um, what's what's Pete thinking now? Yeah. Um I mean, you say that the week that the the memo came out that of how his lawyer had said they Pence could overturn the election in mm-hmm. the um so you know very and timely. Dan Quayle came to the rescue and said no you yes. can't Mike don't do it <laughs> you have no power which shows you Mike Pence is even more feckless than uh, I even thought he was yeah I'm also um, getting sick of of uh, so-called conservatives uh, shitting all over George W Bush these days yeah um, that's pretty annoying everything from his speech on 911 which was quite good and quite powerful uh, to him appearing at a fundraiser for Liz Cheney in Texas. Uh, I'm like, yeah. I want to, I want to, these people I've been seeing, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that I knew and that I worked with on the Hill and in DC and during the Bush administration who would have killed to have worked in that white house at the time. And now they're totally fine being a sycophant for, uh, for Trump and bashing George W. <sighs> yes. The state, we get the country we deserve, Pete. Yeah, I know. Um, so, <clears throat> what are you into these days? Uh, I'm into coaching soccer. Nice. Believe it or not, I was so. It's just funny. What, what formation it, do you go with? Uh, 
<laughs> it's the it's the uh, pack men pack formation where they all go together. Ants around ants around yeah. a, a chocolate so I, log. My kids, uh, my two older kids, are both playing Park District soccer uh, this fall. We didn't want to sign them up for AYSO or Chicago Edge because that would just we didn't think uh, it would hold. Um, they would their attention span would last that long. So this is only six weeks. But um, for my son's team, for the five and six year olds, um, they needed an assistant coach. So the the Park District guy sent out this email, like begging dads and or moms to please step up and be an assistant because they needed to have two coaches for every team. So I sent. Uh, I said I would do my my sons. My daughter's team still does not have an assistant, but they do have uh, a head coach, and he's he's actually I I thought he was doing a good job. He's never coached soccer before, but he he's like I watched a lot of the YouTube videos, and <laughs> he's actually. Looks I, stayed, like, I stayed at a Hilton last night. Uh, yeah, but I've looked over at his over at his practices, and it seems like he's actually running a really organized practice for you know even if for you know three and four year olds. Um, but anyway, so um, so it's nice. The first week I was if 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 Clay. Uh, Quinn, Mayo, or Nas are listening to this. I was texting how awful it was and how I wanted to not be there uh, the first week because it really, it really was. But last week, I actually had a really good time working with these kids, teaching them what to do and how to how to kick a ball properly and how to pass and and coming up with these uh, with these different drills with uh, with the head coach who he's doing a really good job as well. Um, he's he never played soccer, but you know he's really really into it and. Um, really wants to coach his daughters on the team. Um, so I'm actually enjoying it. So I'll be back out there Saturday morning for Teddy's team. It's a uh, practice for the first half and then a game for the last 30 minutes. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty psyched about it and I've enjoyed it. And I think I might do it if, if either Teddy or Leah continues to play soccer, uh, I want to be a part of their, their team's coaching staff if I can, not as a head, uh, as a head coach, but certainly help out when I can. Cool. Well, if you haven't already seen it, I suggest you watch Will Ferrell's Kicking and Screaming for some <laughs> soccer coaching uh, do's and don'ts. Only if Mike um, Ditka can be my assistant. <laughs> so you have seen it. Oh, multiple um, times. Okay, well. Um, and two Italian boys who don't speak English <laughs> yes, uh, score yes. the goal for us. Give it to the Italians. <laughs> um, well, that's good. It's fun to see... Uh, your your children or children or not just your own but just them like learn and, yeah and have fun out there when you can get them focused even if it's only for like a minute it's yeah. still nice yeah um How about you? well since i've been uh quarantined in our basement i've had lots of time to binge um tvs t or shows or whatever movies um so i finally started watching mad men oh um, nice had you never seen yeah. that before i've never seen mad oh men wow before I'd started um, when it was on Netflix and I got like four or five episodes in and then they took it off. Anyway, it's on Amazon Prime now. Okay. And so I am through two seasons. Wow. And um, I don't know. Is it like five seasons? Six uh, seasons? I think it's six. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen it. Yeah. Mora, Mora started watching it during her first maternity leave. Um, and so I'd come home and we'd watch... It was kind of tough because I I would we actually started watching it one night. We watched two episodes one night, and then the next day I went to work and she ended up watching like three. And then, <laughs> so I was I got home and I was like, well, great, now I'm three episodes behind. So um, I'd she'd end up having to tell me like what happened, but then eventually mm-hmm. I went back and I, after watched him. Why and I went back and watched him, and I think it's a, yeah. I think especially those first few seasons are awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah. It gets well, we- not ex- I'm not gonna it gets weird in the later season or two, but um it, I think it's a really great show. Not exactly a a a new um uh thing to be into, but it's nice to finally be checking that one off the list because yeah. that's pretty much up there in the best shows of the decade mm-hmm. um for the last decade. Uh I gotta say that, you know, I really like some of the some of the actors, although Vincent Cartizer as um, Pete Campbell, I feel like he's just a terrible actor. Maybe that's the way um, he yeah. he was. He I knew him from Angel, which was a show I used to watch. Um, really? He was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a huge <laughs> Buffy and Angel fan. Oh my um, God. You don't know this about, about I had no idea oh. that you uh, swung oh, yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he was Angel's son on Angel wow. and I hadn't seen him in anything else till that, but, um, yeah, so that's what I'm into. So. That's really good. We start. we just started watching We've been dying to find a new show and we've tried a couple things. I, you know, we did, um, White Lotus, which was fine. Um, and then, um, so we just started watching the morning show on Apple plus mm. mm-hmm. and we're only two or three episodes and I can't remember on the first season and it's really good. Yeah. It's I, I pretty mean, intense too. It's intense. It's, it, I was like the, like the first episode I was like, Oh, so this is just about like when Matt Lauer, uh, got busted mm-hmm. for banging production assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but it's, it's really, it's good. So it's really good for, no, and I'm, I good. like, I like Mark Duplass a lot. So I'm really <laughs> happy to see him in a role kind of like this. Um, yeah. You just so keep wanting to say Pete, Get it together, Pete. Isn't that his name from yeah, the, uh, the in league? the league? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ruxman. Well, on. <laughs> Ruxman. Um, ta- wait. Chalupa Batman was that? Uh, what? Oh, Taco. Ta- Taco called. Oh, um, oh, oh. His son. His <laughs> didn't he call his like his brother's son? Chalupa Batman. Chalupa anyway. Batman. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> I love the league. Another great show for those who haven't I love that uh, show. I said, yeah. It's not on any, right. it's not streaming anywhere, is it? It's not on it used to be on Netflix and it's gone. I don't think it's on uh Amazon. It might just be on F Oh, it's on it might just be on FX. Oh, okay. Like you have to have um Oh, Hulu. Hulu oh, it's on Hulu. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Anyway. So. All, All right, right, man. Well, good talk. Well, Good talk. I won't have COVID and it'll be more exciting. I love it. Well, follow us on Twitter at Bros Politics. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. And until next time, we'll go to the casino. Peace. What could possibly go?